Greetings, friends. You are listening to We Own This Town Music, the podcast for showcasing new and notable tracks from Nashville and surrounding areas. I'm your host, Michael Eads, and this is volume 327. As you can tell from the title of this episode, we've got a special one for you. This episode, I had the absolute honor of sitting down with the members of Forget Cassettes, Beth Cameron, J. Leo Phillips, and Aaron Ford, to discuss the writing and recording of the album Salt. To provide a little background, Forget Cassettes was a band that was formed back in the early 2000s. Their debut record, Instruments of Action, was released in 2003 and met with a lot of critical acclaim, locally, regionally, and nationally. The songs on that record are largely comprised of just Cameron's voice, guitar, and drums, and every song is equal parts intimately quiet and outlandishly explosive, all while being deeply personal and earnest. The follow-up record, Salt, was conceived and recorded in 2005 and released in 2006 by Theory 8 Records. Shout out Aaron Hartley. Beth Cameron enlisted Jay and Aaron as new collaborators for the undertaking and the band's sound evolved. It was no less intimately quiet, no less outlandishly explosive, and still every bit as personal and earnest, but there was something magically more to it. They recorded the album with Jeremy Ferguson, shout out Jeremy, at Alex the Great Studios and continued to receive well-deserved praise. So why did I choose to talk to these three about a record that came out in 2006? Well, the album was recently re-released on vinyl by YK Records. For full transparency, YK Records is my indie label. So there's a bit of bias here for me to promote the album Finding New Life here in 2022. I admit to that bias and lay it out here at the top so there's no tricks or deception about the intent behind this episode. I want to provide a platform to promote the record. For existing fans of it, I hope you'll hear all of the inside baseball. For those that have never ever heard of it, I hope you take some time to check it out in full. To that end though, I will say, I did not release this album originally in 2006, and it had a massive impact on me. I've known Beth Cameron since we were in high school in the late 90s, and have followed every band she's been in since that time. The first record from Forget Cassettes was a smack upside the head that put me in total awe of what she was capable of, in terms of songwriting, guitar playing, and riveting performance. Salt doubled that awe, which I did not think was possible. The record is an unbelievably great piece of work from start to finish, and I've loved it for 16 years. I've always hoped that this show, We Own This Town Music, could be a bit of a historical document for the Nashville music scene. That's generally achieved by playing new music releases from a variety of artists. But I'm enjoying this expansion into deep dives into important, impactful, interesting, and intriguing records. I'm gonna wave the rest of my typical jibber-jabber here at the top and just go straight into our in-depth, track-by-track conversation about Salt. Enjoy. All right, I'm joined today by members of Forget Cassettes. I have Beth Cameron with me. Hello, Beth. Hello. I have Jay Leo Phillips. Hello. And I have Aaron Ford. Hello. Hi, good folks. I believe you're just commonly referred to as Ford. Is that right? That's true. Too I'm many Aarons in the world. Too many yeah, Aarons. Especially right. during the period of this record being made. Yeah. <laughs> so we've come together today to uh, talk about this new this new reissue of uh, your second record, Salt. Originally released in 2006 by Theory 8 Records. Shout out to Aaron Hartley for putting this out originally. Hartley. I love this record. It was extremely influential for me at the time. And I wanted to bring you all together and talk about each track of this record. But before we get into each track of the record, I wanted to know how Forget Cassettes 2, this is the second official lineup of the band, how this came together. Beth, how did you bring Jay and Ford into your realm 
for this? Do you have any recollection or are they just kind of in your orbit already? Well, Ford and I played together in Fair Verona. He was one of the drummers in Fair Verona for the longest, I think. Sneaky. Jay and I knew each other from playing shows. Around, yeah. Yeah. Our bands had played shows together. Yeah, we were on the we were on the scene, you know. Yeah. Was there any awkward invitations like, "Hey, will you play with me on this record? Will you try this out?" Pro- I'm sure. Or were they asking you to play on the record? I don't remember how it went down exactly, but I do remember being really excited to do it. Like when when you offered it up, I was like, oh, "Of course, no yeah. invitation." Well, I like disbanded the first version of Forget Cassettes and like went to college and wasn't sure that I was gonna keep playing music and then just you know continued to write songs and then. Yeah, what did that process look like, the songwriting process? Were you you were in school and you're writing these things? Are you setting aside time to write music? Or were you just sort of like struck by epiphanies where you're like, okay, this is how I'm expressing myself. This is pouring out of me. Yeah, I f- probably both. I mean, in those days, you know, having nil responsibilities, I played and wrote all the time. Yeah. So... Do you, do you start with, uh, like, melody and uh, or lyrics, like music or words, or is it kind of a combination of both? I write music, and I am constantly writing lyrics down, and then I will just fit lyrics to the music. Nice. And come up with the melody. You don't have, work. like, a Rivers Cuomo-style spreadsheet of just phrases that you like, and then you <laughs> squeeze them into a thing? Have you ever heard about this? <laughs> no. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, the way he writes is really weird and mechanical, it seems like. There's a podcast called Song Exploder. The show itself is fascinating. They take a song, and they break it down into its disparate parts, including lyrics, and say, like, how did you do this? What? How did this song come about, etc." And they did an episode with Rivers Cuomo, and he's like, yeah, I keep a spreadsheet, and it's just, uh, you know, random phrases I lift from other songs and books and it's a really massive spreadsheet and then I'll just uh, find three chords that I like maybe from like a 60s song and I'll fit yeah. the words into it and it's like devoid <laughs> wow. of emotion it's completely robotic I mean I will say that I do for my own songs I do like you know keep a running note in my phone of just like phrases that I think of or that mm-hmm. I hear or whatever but yeah it's not like in a spreadsheet like you know sure. it's not that organized yeah I assume all songwriters have audio notes on their phones for all sorts of oh, things oh yeah yeah, the voice memo app is like uh, indispensable for yes, me. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I was, you know, I have a huge box of journals that I've kept over my musical career dating back from high school. And I was going through them today to try to get some material from the Salt era. And it's just random lyrics, to do lists, and like accounting of tours. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, and now all of that lives on my phone. <laughs> right. I remember hearing about back in you know the days long before smartphones and uh, and even little handheld cassette recorders, Elvis Costello would call his own house and sing melodies on his answering machine mm-hmm. when he thought yeah. of something like when he was out. You know, I thought that was pretty good. That's incredible. I mean, I would say a lot of these songs from Salt, I was writing using uh, like you know cassette recorder yeah. in my room in my apartment or whatever and just pressing record and i mean that's how i wrote for years until i think jeremy ferguson took pity on me and gave me a four track or oh, something yeah, really? and started playing around <laughs> with that yeah well this record was released in 2006 so when does the process of forming forget cassettes 2 start oh, 2005 i guess it was yeah not too long before oh wow yeah, we got started into it pretty quickly. And you had all the songs, basically, already, right? Like, I, I had the skeletons. Yeah. yeah. We practiced a lot, Re- as I We recall. had that rehearsal space downtown on 2nd, yeah. where everybody rehearsed. Yeah. The public storage, which when, has yeah. now been torn down and rebuilt, which sort of in the same Which is crazy to me. I was thinking about that the other day. 
I think about it whenever I'm, you know, driving through there, which yeah. is not often, but I used to go there in the middle of the night by myself. Oh wow, I didn't realize you did write. that. Wow. Yeah. Do you I mean, you I would that was I, I like wanna wag then. my finger at my yeah. little twenty four year old self. Especially then it was a different part of town than it is now. Yeah. It's unrecognizable now. Where on Second Avenue was that? Right at like the Lafayette yeah. and Second. Oh wow. Yeah, is that right? Mm-hmm. Right next to the world's largest adult bookstore. Yeah. Yeah, and where the Muse was and all that stuff was around right. there. Oh, wow. And now none of that all that yeah. stuff's gone. Yeah. Although the public yeah. storage is still in the same general location, they just rebuilt it. Yeah. <laughs> Seem to remember the other day that there was a, a weird moment we were speaking about this practice space, and we'll probably talk about this here in a moment because we're going to talk about the songs. But I think the catch was one of those that we didn't have. I think maybe you. Oh, had, maybe like, that was more collaborative. Beth, yeah. But like, I remember that was like maybe I think you and I showed up and like started writing, and then Jay popped yeah, in and for sure. like it just kind of came together, right? And then like I think yeah, I think a couple of them came later, but. Yeah. For the most part, I think it was it was all at least like you said skeletons, skeletons there. were there at least. Well, Although, yeah, but yeah. when we did when we did start practicing a lot, and I recall we practiced a lot. Yes, we did. I was just like multiple yes. times a week. We did um, two, three for, times a week for hours at yeah. a time. Hours. Yeah. Wow. And and we hammered the stuff out, and it became way more. We you know we each Ford and I put our own kind of stamp on our parts, and then became much more of like a band mm-hmm. than just like here's some songs that some guys are playing on. You know? Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Were they still skeletal when you decided to go and record, or they were in a pretty fleshed out form by the time you made that decision? They're they pretty, were. I think they were pretty fleshed yeah. out. We, we were, had basically we were, recorded it like three times. Mm-hmm. The, the castle. castle one, and then we did it pre-production mm-hmm. world at Jeremy's, mm-hmm. which That's we right. basically ran through the whole record at least twice. Yeah. As I recall, right? Yeah. I forgot and about then that. The, That's right. The final Adam, the final uh, um, actual Alex the Great. Yeah. Yeah totally forgot about the thing that we went to the castle in Franklin and recorded With Richard Feaster. <laughs> Did we record yep. all the songs? Or just a handful. No, a handful. Yeah. Because we were trying Everything. to decide if we wanted to work with That's him right. or not. That's right. And it was, right. you know, it was a great studio and he did a great job, but it just wasn't the sound that we wanted. Yeah. <laughs> right. But like I think we had also been touring fairly heavily, like mm-hmm. regionally, in between all this. Mm-hmm. So we were like a pretty well oiled machine by that point, I yes. think. So you're also yeah. trying out the songs live and fleshing them out in that environment mm-hmm. as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. They had all been road tested, I believe. Road tested. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. I had no idea that you were uh, practicing that much and fleshing them out live. Oh, yeah. By it the time like we got to lives. Alex the Great to actually track, we were just... It was quick. I yeah. mean, yeah. A, lot, a lot of the songs on this record are first, second takes. That is insane. Live yeah. in a room together. Yeah, it was yeah. extremely smooth. Yeah. Like, it was the easiest recording experience I've ever had in my life. And probably Absolutely. ever will have. We yeah. had so much fun. <laughs> this is the record. complete opposite of my assumptions. <laughs> oh, yeah? 100% opposite of you my assumptions. You thought it was like some kind of Fleetwood Mac stuff going on? <laughs> well, not, not the drama within the studio, but like the album is so layered and textured. Uh, and there's so much to hear from like everyone's parts. Like you can listen to it multiple times and be like, oh, wow, listen to that. Listen, yeah. You know, you can extract a bunch of different pieces from it. That does not come easily. Like making that sort of deep texture but for an album for us <laughs> uh, no for real though like i feel like it was just kind of we you know we banged out the parts like live for the most part right the basic except tracks, for vocals yeah. yep. mm-hmm. and then we just started like looking around the studio like what mm-hmm. else can we put on this you know you did yeah. piano and Rhodes. i did a yeah dubs yeah they had I a real some guitar overdubs mm-hmm. and, and then vocals various other things on a few songs like there was uh i put a little bit of hammond organ on one song mm-hmm. 
Yep. Those prayer bowls. Oh, the prayer, prayer bowls. Which we start the album out with. That was Ferguson's idea. Yeah. And yep. they There's a bunch him. of like bowed symbols yes. and bowed yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And we threw silverware on the floor. Yeah, there's yeah. a photo of that happening mm-hmm. uh, somewhere yep. that I've seen of me and Jeremy dumping drawers of forks and knives mm-hmm. onto the floor to yep. make this crash sound that happens in, is it in venison? When, when does I think that it's happen? my maraschino. Maybe so. Yeah. That was not conceived of prior to being in the studio. No. <laughs> yeah. So that was the sort of like using the studio part of the process. Because we had, we were there a week, yeah. a week and a half. I think it was just Yeah, I think a week. we had 10 days. Maybe right. 10 days. 10 days. And we, I mean, because we banged every, all the basics out so quickly, we had time. So we yeah. just started experimenting. Amazing. Yeah. It was really fun. Yeah. As a non-musician, I'm going to ask a really ignorant question, but was it strange for you, Beth, to kind of dive into this with bass and like having, you know, historically had had not had bass in Forget Cassettes as a two-piece. Now you're having this much more fleshed out sort of evolved sound. Was that any different for you? Were you like, man, I'd been in Fair Verona. We had bass. Well, now I'm remembering when we were going to do two guitars. And we That's tried right. that for and a we while. Did, well, and there are two guitars on a couple songs. Yeah. Uh-huh. Nicholas The and ones the that were older, yeah. mostly. I was you know, going between guitar and Rhodes, because the Freak sets has to have Rhodes. Sure. I don't remember how it came about, but I was I just like, I'm going to try bass yeah. on this. I think it just was yeah. like, Naturally, let's try it. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and we liked it. Mm-hmm. So I sure. Kept, so I kept doing it. And most of the newer songs for this record have bass. And you had played bass in prior bands or no i'm trying to remember like if what my bass experience was at that point i don't really think i had a lot yeah but you know i but i took to it i feel like uh i really liked playing bass so Mm -hmm. i ended up playing a lot yeah and i had this uh it was a seafoam green thunderbird bass epiphone thunderbird bass that i had gotten from daniel sharon who was in some other bands that whole fantastic world fantastic world that's right i don't remember how i ended up with that from him in the chaos of, of our lives <laughs> yeah. uh, you end up with, in, your, in your 20s. Right. Uh, but anyway, yeah. And I had that bass and I was just like, I like playing this thing. I'm going to play it more. For just for my own personal insight, what other bands were you in between Fair Verona and Forget Cassettes? I had an instrumental band called the Sincerity Guild. Oh, yeah. Which was also That's right. on Theory 8. We put out a record uh, with Mr. Hartley. Yeah, I remember um, that. Yeah, and we all, all the bands... Forget Cassettes version one and Apollo up and we had all shared stages and knew each other yeah. prior. From even um, going back to like the Murfreesboro Red Rose days, mm-hmm. I think is right. where I knew Ford from. Yeah. It was kind of a mad dash of a scene in a way. It's like you could play as many shows as you could play in a week if you wanted to at a point. And Hartley was running like booking at uh, what was Lucy's originally indie net at indie net yeah. yes and oh, then uh yeah and then like basically i remember like i think his first week he was like ford i've got a band that can't make it or we need an opener are you guys ready and this was within like i think about a week or month maybe of us the sincerity go playing shows and uh we just started playing as many as he would give us there basically so well became this weird house band yeah <laughs> yeah that was my main thing between Fair Verona and Forget Cassettes. I recall it. I recall it very specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also remember IndieNet streaming shows on the internet. That was the whole bit, right? It was yeah. IndieNet because mm-hmm. it was like a new thing. Like, mm-hmm. But I don't think I ever it, saw any of the result of the streaming. Work. But how could it work? Yeah. It was like real player in 2004. <laughs> yeah. Nobody had, like, like, everybody had dial up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Good on him, though. For yeah. Uh, but I never saw the result of the streaming. I don't know if it ever worked. Pretty great, though. But great yeah. idea. And, yeah. And it should not go without mentioning that Beth also played in the Sincerity Guild. I did for, for a minute. Yeah. I didn't hot, realize that. A hot minute. At mm-hmm. least, I think, three or four shows, mm-hmm. maybe? Huh. I don't know. Loved maybe cool. more. Yeah, yeah. Loved it. Okay. So you go to Alex the Great to record this record. You're, they're pretty fleshed out. Uh, you've got a great idea of the most of them. I'm assuming they are not recorded in the order that they end up on the record. Obviously, it's not generally how it goes. If you want to give me any sort of just general rundown of what those 10 days look like, like we banged out just drums and bass first, or you focus song by song, I'm not sure. Yeah, we were in a room together, and yeah. we had those massive foam gobos, barriers, gobos yeah. that we had around my amp <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and your amp. We were all very loud back then, Yeah, too. very, very obnoxiously yes. loud back yeah. then. <laughs> and Alex the Great has a pretty big tracking room, so yeah. we were all in there together, basically just running our set. Yeah, I think <laughs> we just yeah. kind of banged it out, all three in a room, yeah. Probably and then... two over two days. Yeah, Maybe it didn't. Three, I mean, I don't recall any difficulties with that yeah. at all. It was yeah. very quick and yeah. smooth. Yeah. Yeah. If I remember too, I think Ferguson was like, I remember I played a bunch of like percussion parts in the middle of other parts. So I was always like arms flying around and mm-hmm. sticks going everywhere mm-hmm. and picking up maracas and playing them yeah. in the middle of stuff and all this. And I remember I was like, we're going to overdub all that, right? And Ferguson's like, no, yeah. you're going to play that just like you do it. We yeah. did so not all, play to a click. No, no, we didn't no play click. to a click, and all of the like maraca parts, like in my maraschino, all that stuff is like live. Yeah, you I were was doing switching that in yeah. the moment, the same yeah, way yeah. you did live. Yeah. yeah, like I remember the rough mixes. I think you can even hear me like turn the snares on. Yeah, yeah, occasionally, and there's like squeaks and it's all great. Like, yeah, it. wow, that is wild. That yeah. is a incredible way to record we were, this record. We were very, I mean, we were just very connected. We were super then. connected yeah. and, and focused also. Yeah. Like we were, you know, and this was before any of us had gotten discouraged about being, <laughs> about making music and, yeah. and making it or whatever. And we were just like laser focused on getting this record done. Yeah. I feel like. Mm -hmm. Before we get too deep into the tracks, I want to remind everybody that we almost lost this record. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, do tell. Oh, that's right. How so? <laughs> I don't remember exactly what happened, but the hard drive failed. So we oh, yeah. did. This was my first record that I did not go to tape at all. It was all Pro Tools, right? We didn't go. I to thought tape. we went to tape and then dumped it into Pro Tools. Did we? I Sorry. thought. Yeah. Okay. Well, there was a point when everything got onto the hard drive and we lost that hard. Yeah, drive. Jeremy had <laughs> had put had dumped everything down. I think from tape to Pro Tools, and it was right. all on a on one of those Lassie. Oh yeah, those big back when they were big. You mm-hmm. know. And he had taken it home. To I think he mixed some of it at home. Mm-hmm. And in the process of mixing, you know, the hard drive failed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, solid state drives did not exist. Yeah, no, this was a yeah. yeah. He a had. I remember fifty four hundred RPM or whatever <laughs> hard drive. Taking yeah. the cha- like trying to find a new chassis for it. Yeah, like, went to the Apple yeah. store and mm-hmm. it was, yeah, it was very touch and go. We couldn't record for a day. Or we something. were yeah. yeah. Everybody was kind of on pins and needles. And yeah. and as I recall it ended up being a problem with just the power supply of the hard drive and the drive right. itself was fine. Like the data on it was fine. So after he transported that into the new chassis with the new power supply, it came right back up. Oof. So it was like, whew, we were all sweating bullets for a minute. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. It was like the, everything had been recorded. No, I think all, just all the basic tracks have yeah. been done. We but it was still, but still, yeah, like we had was, just spent. Those, per, those are the performances. <laughs> right. You don't want to <laughs> <Yeah. lose. laughs> and that was like, you know, that was all the budget was, Alex the Great tracking at Alex right. the Great. So that would have been the whole budget blown. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wild. Well, I'm glad you didn't lose it. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. yeah. 
All right, well, let's get into each track then. Let's see what you remember about each of these. Let's start at the top with Venison. What can you tell me? Well, the song is about... I don't, you know, don't feel obliged to give away any uh, any secrets oh. or anything that you don't want uh, to. Some I, some sure. artists really don't want to talk about uh, lyrics. You know what uh, I mean? Yeah. It's up to it's up to you and what you want to divulge. There's no pressure here. No pressure. I don't feel any pressure. Okay. This song is about dead deer, and I was uh, taken aback being on tour in the Northeast and seeing so many dead deer on the side of the interstate, and I wrote a song about it. <laughs> It's right there in the title. That's right there. Yeah, it's it, when you yeah like when you listen to it with that in mind, it's like oh well of course, like that's what it's about. <laughs> but it does work on more levels than that, I think. Well, sure. Yeah. Sure. What about musically? What do you yeah. recall about this? God, love this song. So it's- this one was one that you had been playing in the previous incarnation of Forget Cassettes, oh, right? right? So yeah. like I think Ford and I like were aware of this song already. Yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. Oh, yeah. This song, to me, has acts. It has, like, three acts mm-hmm. in it. Four acts yeah. in it. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what else to say about it. I think, well, I can say that I think this is one that... Well, no, that's not right. I was going to say that I play guitar. I play bass on this one. Mm-hmm. You, do, you do play bass on this one. And Rhodes and Wurlitzer and trumpet. Oh, yeah, recording. a little bit of trumpet at the very end. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. I think for me, I remember, I remember because we did know this song prior trying to like coax legitimately trying to coax every bit of like because it's so loud and then it's so quiet Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like coax every little skosh of that out of it that i could possibly get Mm -hmm. and i had spent like this insane amount of time nerding out on like my symbols for like the the year and a half prior to this and like i had this like set that was like finally like exactly how i wanted them to sound and like when it comes in even on this song like every time i hear it, i'm like god that was a good choice mm. yeah really mm. really nailed it the but symbols it like, are very important to forget cassettes in yeah. retrospect right. it seems like the, yeah. the, the symbols are a big part them, of it part of the thing is like you don't play them as much as like i think people would think like in a big loud rock band mm. like it's yeah. actually like i started playing these giant symbols to keep from hitting them as much mm. like, right it's just you just hit them once and let them go. It's more yeah. of an event when you hit it, yeah. Oh, right, yeah. and uh, like this was this was one where it was like, okay, to make the loud parts really loud, we're gonna do this with the cymbals, but then, you know, in those like verse sections and bridge sections, just like very lightly tapping everything else mm-hmm. before it blows up again. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. That was the main, for me anyways, was like the big thing with this one, because it came as the first song. Ford, well, Ford, what's your general experience with playing drums in this band? Because they are so massive, like especially on this record. The drums are massively explosive. Is that just like, were you just worn out beyond belief at the end of every <laughs> practice and performance? Or had you uh, sort of trained yourself to know how to do it correctly? I have always been depending on who you ask, borderline hyperactive. So uh, it was just, uh, that was the energy part was never really a problem just because I honestly, I just 
loved doing it so much. And like from all of my prior experience, it was just like play it like it's the last thing you're going to play kind of thing, which sounds cheesy, but it's it's like yeah. totally true. And I think knowing you're going from this two piece band to this three piece band, like you're still going to have to inhabit all that space that the drums inhabited when there was just two people. But you also have to remember that you have another instrument to mm-hmm. work with to there make room and for, you got to yeah. figure out how to hmm. make it work. And like I said, I, I had at that point nerded out over kind of my sound. Like I, I really like spent all this super nerdy time mm-hmm. getting like these drums, this drum set that I had for this record was like exactly the thing that I wanted. And it's really, it was way smaller than anybody ever would think that it was. It was like this tiny, like basically a jazz drum kit that we that I tracked with mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and credit to Ferguson for getting this giant sound in this, I mean, it was a big room. So like he used a lot of room, but there's also like on the kick drum, there was a lot of muffling, which was not my normal thing. Like I usually had everything wide open and he like shoved pillows. And, yeah. I mean, I thought, I don't know about that. But <laughs> yeah. then, you, then I hear it, you know, and it's like, oh, yeah, that sounds great. He is a great. recording engineer, after all. <laughs> it's true. It's true. You know, so it's it was it was definitely, you know, in the studio, too, you're trying to control some of that. Like, yes, yeah. you want to get across all that energy, but you also can't, like, break everything mm-hmm. five yeah. minutes in. Yeah, there's so. some. All, there's always going to be some level of sort of artificiality to being in the studio because it's just such right. an unnatural environment. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. yeah. Right. Beth, I think I want to ask the same sort of question of you because vocally there is a lot of explosive and almost it feels like draining, emotionally draining performances here. Even in with Vincent, you know, we were the end of the track is just like it feels like you're just bottoming out with you know your expression there. How hard? I don't know. I don't know if I have a question there other than just like you know what's that like? Yeah, what's that like? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Vincent is like my Zeppelin moment for me guitar wise and I just I feel like I'm in Zeppelin when I <laughs> um yeah I don't I don't um, I, I I guess I am gonna kind of mimic what Ford said and back then especially like when I was making you know when we were like making this record and all the like personal stuff I was going through it wasn't hard to muster yeah. that yeah. emotion it wasn't Right. Uh, far away from me ever it was always very close by so it wasn't hard but i do remember when we were tracking vocals that jeremy ferguson and i were trying some we like really try we tried to make it like really into we just were doing all these weird things to try to get these performances out of yeah. me you know well it worked <laughs> yeah i think i think Ford and I were like playing ping pong while all that yes. was going on. Oh yeah, the ping pong. There was table. a ping pong table there. Yeah, you guys <laughs> yeah. had a tournament going. Yeah, that's my that's a dunzo. If that's in the room, I'm not getting anything <laughs> yeah. done. <laughs> yeah. A tournament of two is a heck of a competition. <laughs> well, there were some other people, some other hangers-on. Yeah, you know. hangers <laughs> some groupies. Yeah, that's right. I think, I think Todd Kemp is credited on a lot of these songs as, as contributing something small on like almost every track or nearly every track. Is that at Alex yeah. the Great? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he came by and did some, some random orchestral things. orchestral 
drum stuff, bow yeah. cymbals a couple yeah. times, maybe. Some of the bowing things were yeah. him. Yeah, for sure. It'll be like castanets. I'm like, okay, cool. He came in and did yeah. some castanets. Yep. Yeah. Good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, because we knew he was the, you know, he was like the only sort of uh, academic percussion guy that we knew and still know. Still, as as sure. I'm concerned. Yeah. Uh, right. So, yeah, it's like if you want some kind of weird, you know, art music percussion thing, you call Todd Kemp. Yeah. It worked yeah. great. All right, we'll move on. I'm gonna, I'm gonna butcher this song title, and I, I played it on this show on a previous episode, and was like, well, screwed that one up. Uh, but here we go, Quiro Quires. Kiero Kiaras. Okay, you say it again. <laughs> Kiero Kiaras. All right, what do you remember about this? Anything? Anything come to mind? One of the weirdest drum parts I think I've ever written in in a weird, like, all the ways that the things link up and hook up. Like, still sometimes when I hear it, I'm like, did How I really did mean that? to, like, did I mean to link all that up? And it's like, yes, I absolutely did. Right. Yeah. I don't, I can't recall, like, it being like a process of like figuring out, oh, here's where Jay's, right. mm-hmm. you know, stops are, and here's where Beth's parts are. It's just like, it just kind of happened. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think that's kind of true of all the songs. When we were spending all that time practicing together, we kind of discovered that we had some good chemistry and mm-hmm. we didn't really have to, uh, to think about this stuff a mm-hmm. lot. It just kind of happened. Yeah. Right. We, as you do, you start getting on the same wavelength and you're like, we should stop here or just mm-hmm. do it naturally. And it all just felt really natural. Yeah. And this was definitely like probably the most straightforward forget cassette song for sure yeah i don't it, it comes out of the gate yeah, barreling it is yeah i don't remember anything about writing it or <laughs> <laughs> honestly yeah i don't i don't remember a i think about it's fair y'all to give that as an answer it is 2022 <laughs> yeah. right now we're talking about something you did in 2005 so yeah. well i think probably because it is so straightforward i but we like wrote it and finished it very quickly. I think that sounds right to me. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember. Yeah. I don't remember spending a lot of time on it. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, it just came I feel out. like yeah, I feel like we did things to it live later because we had like oh yeah, we we had kind of lived with it for yes. a little bit. But like, I don't think we were ever really changed that much of that song. Like, it just kind of was. Yeah, it kind of came out fully fleshed. Yep. And well, and I think and yeah. Beth, I think always was pretty you were always pretty sure what you wanted. Like mm-hmm. it was not a lot of, at least as I recall with all these songs, right. When we were working them out, you like, you knew how you wanted to go. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a lot of, um, you know, well, maybe we should do this more times here or whatever. It was like, no, nope, you had it mapped out. Yeah. I'm a Virgo. I, <laughs> I, I usually had visions. For yeah. Things for sure. Well, this one has some, some great lyrics on it. I always mm. love the, uh, my heart stopped and now it beats fast for mm. you. It catches me every time. Mm. It's me. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's true of a lot of the record. I mean, I think musically and lyrically, this record really packs a very potent punch for me throughout. So this Kira Kira, as I wrote about, I was uh, freshly out of a long-term relationship and you know dating a guy. He was in medical school and not from here. We had like a long-distance relationship, and that song was just kind of about you know being into somebody after a long time you know like i don't know (laughs) and there's like definitely some uh medical metaphors in that 
song, but anyway. Oh, I yeah. didn't even think about that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. wow. We're revealing all the secrets. I love it. <laughs> yeah. This show is for Forget Cassettes fans that want the inside yeah. scoop, and that's a great scoop. Let's let's move along to the catch. I believe um, was the single should have been a massive hit in my opinion. <laughs> thought, it's a great no, track. I think it's a great song. I think it still slaps. It does. Yes. And that was another one that I feel like we that kind of came out of. I mean, you had the the uh, skeleton of it. I remember that song. I did not know what to do with, and okay. I basically brought you guys parts, and yeah. I was like, "Here are some parts. I don't know how they fit together." And again. That song to me has acts in it, you know. And mm-hmm. we were really right. <laughs> I don't know if good is the right word, but we liked to just smash parts together and be like, we're just yeah. gonna make this work. Yeah. <laughs> well yeah, I feel like that one kinda came out of us practicing a lot together. Yes. And and Oh, that end where I'm doing a different time signature than oh, yeah. you got yeah. Ford and Jay are doing that. We worked on that. That's true. Yeah. We, that's true. We did labor over that a little bit. I, I remember like. the catch being pretty laborious. It's <laughs> yeah. interesting to hear yeah. you say that you just mash parts together because, you know, when I think of early era forget cassettes, it's a very easy to kind of simplify it into. Oh, it's a quiet, loud band. So there's a lot of quiet uh-huh. parts, and then it would explode, and then there'd be more quiet parts, and it would explode. And with Salt, it felt like yeah, it's a quiet, loud band, but there's just this intangible. Th- other thing happening where it's not necessarily just like two parts it's maybe three parts and and acts the Mm -hmm. acts i think i I maybe never would have articulated that myself but it's i think it's clear as a listener that that is happening a lot and it's i think what makes the record so fascinating to listen to i don't know why but i just do not write verse chorus verse chorus bridge songs i just do not think that way and i've always just been like a like a novel you know yeah sort of linear yeah yeah Well, it's a very interesting way to hear a song, for sure. It's much more interesting, you know what I mean? Like, first chorus, verse, you know what's coming. There's plenty of that out there if you want that, you know, go find that. I definitely think that this was that perfect illustration of that, not using the symbols as much as you possibly could to, like, just drive a song Mm. from wall to wall. It was like a chunk of this that doesn't have Mm -hmm. any, it's like your main part is all toms. Yeah. Yes. That's it, and you just ride yeah. that out until the moment where it like gets big. And totally then, unconventional rock drum part. We, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we have the weird. I think I might have been the jerk who was like, "Hey, yeah. what happens mm-hmm. if Jay and I play I think so. one time signature?" <laughs> I think that was your idea. Yeah, the total because well, we had noticed that thing. the we had noticed that the dun digga digga dun. You could count it mm-hmm. as. Whatever the other thing is now, you're six remember. and four, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a six, six over four, four thing or whatever. Yeah. 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 So we kind of noticed, like, what if we just do that on purpose instead of kind of like 
suggesting that. What if we just do it? Mm-hmm. I remember that part, yeah. But you're all yeah. coming from bands that loved different time signatures, oh, yeah. right? I mean, we came out of a, a, Very nerdy of a scene that. where that was not yeah. an unusual thing to do, yes. yeah. Yeah. Well, just meaning, I don't mean like it wasn't weird. I just mean like you had experience with it. So maybe right, it wasn't sure. that hard of a hurdle. You were just oh, right. like, oh yeah, yeah, we do this. Yeah. yeah, no, it wasn't like rocket science or something to us. It was, you know, like it was a known thing. Like we knew we could do it. Yeah. <laughs> it just took a while to get <laughs> nailed down. Will it sound good? That Will was it sound right. good? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 Is there anything you can tell me about the lyrics of this one? I think this yeah. one, again, is very, uh, there's a very much a story here. Yeah. It's maybe. about Hurricane Katrina. Yes. Cool. That's what I thought. <laughs> Did you think it was about that? <laughs> I think we probably have talked about oh. it before, but I mean, just like the city's underwater at the fault of our government, how we keep warm in our beds. Like there's a lot of like fucking government, like that sort of sentiment of like, there's all these players, but the the people are sort of fucked. Yeah. And yeah, that's what I get from it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that was, I mean, yeah, that was the year it happened, mm-hmm. right? Yep. 2005. Mm. Yep. Yeah. 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 Well, great. Uh, <laughs> and great. That, and that, yeah, Katrina still ha- still having a long lasting effect yeah. on that city. Still topical. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. And that the catch was released with the bonus tracks that are on the vinyl release. Is that right, or was they were they different songs? There were two more singles on the catch, right? There were two B sides. There was yes. the fast sleeper. Or, oh, wait, yeah. no. fast patience no. bed oh, and fast, sleeper. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, sorry. Which sleeper was the first one I think we wrote together? Oh yes. Is that correct? Yes, I, I'm I feel like remembering. I feel like we we yeah. first got together at at your parents' house, Beth, maybe, and like your mom's and house, like a, right? Yeah. Oh, my mom's house. Very close. And to that was where, where we now. first yeah. practiced. Yeah, yes. and then I think that was like one of the first ones we like. That's really right. Okay, out. I do remember that now. And that song had many iterations. Yeah. Yeah. We, we left, we like put it aside for a while and then came back to it. Yeah. Absolutely. So maybe, and yeah, I, now it seems like now that we're talking about this more, it's like maybe it didn't come together so easily. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I, mean, just, I think also the catch, because we were going to put it out as a single, did we not not play that? I feel like we didn't wait. play it out until we, until the release. Oh, I was I trying know. to remember this the other day, but I felt like well, we, that was like one that we didn't touch. We had it ready to go. And we then, actually like, just never played the catch live very often at all. There was something about it that we felt like didn't translate very well. Yeah, well, because it was one of the ones that I played guitar on instead of bass, so it maybe felt a little empty compared to the other ones live because yeah. it didn't have right. the low end. But we did it a couple times, didn't we? Yeah, we definitely, but it just wasn't. Yeah, in yeah. the set always. Yeah, it wasn't. Uh, you couldn't count on it being in there. Yeah. Either. Couldn't count on it. Couldn't couldn't count on it. <laughs> Just couldn't. Ca- and we we edited it for the single too. It's yeah. There's yeah. a single edit yeah. that doesn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why because we, yeah. we were like, surely this is gonna be the 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 breakout song. So we'll do a single like a radio edit basically. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I got a tweet from Hartley the other day that was saying like. Something about sending CDs to listening stations at oh, record yeah. stores and stuff, and how <laughs> yeah, yeah. he hated having to pay for you know that sort of promo marketing. Right. And it's funny to think about now in yeah. 2022, like oh, a record store yeah. with a listening, a listening station. station, but it worked yeah. though. Right, that was the thing. Like, sure, I feel like those days you paid for shit like that and it actually worked. Yeah, <laughs> you actually because well, you actually records. got it in front of somebody. Yeah, and they were looking at it. Yeah, and you knew they were looking at and it. And they're like, oh, I'll just buy this. You know? Yeah. 
which is just un, uh, unfathomable. Can't think about that. Like yeah. I go into a record store. I'm like, oh, this is on the end cap. I'll pick this up. Right. Like no one would do that now. I know. That's wild. It's sad. Like I will well, put this yeah. in my queue. I think the to average, listen to later. Yeah. The average music listener doesn't go to a record store anymore, mm-hmm. period. Right. I right. mean, they just sure. stream everything. And, uh. And that's when you end up with the, you know, the new style payola where you can Spotify will give you less of a cut of your already minuscule cut in exchange for putting you in certain playlists. Yep. Sure right. enough. Payola. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Oh, Spotify. Okay. Let's move along to Nicholas. another one that i think kind of made its way into the second version of the band and found new life what can you tell me about nicholas yeah nicholas gosh yeah i had that one a long time i mean i think it was just i wasn't willing to let it go <laughs> so i was like we need to yeah. figure out how to work this up i mean it was definitely i remember seeing you guys play it in the first incarnation of the band and like it really stood out mm. to me then too yeah. so i was excited really excited to play on it Oh, I mean, when it kicks in at the end, it's yeah. like fucking great. Yeah, it's a huge catharsis. There, yeah. yeah. I, this is another one I remember from mom's basement. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Only because I remember when we first started playing this, for me, it was weird. I was like, I, I didn't know if we, it was like trying to figure out how far different it wanted mm, to be right. or did we want to do a different thing and so i was listening to i think a lot of depeche mode at mm. that exact moment and i was like i'm gonna try and make as much of a live drummer's version of a depeche mode thing and okay. even on the castle the demo on the castle is like completely different like mm. there's like there's like a drum beat happening through the whole first half that's oh. like huh. i don't remember that at it. all it's not good. Where, I would like to. <laughs> I would like to hear that so stuff. It's so much better. It's so much better without it. But it was Wait, like. Wait, are there oh. no drums at the beginning of it at all? Are you doing like bowed or anything, and then it just comes in with the snare roll? There is like yeah, there's some like a little bit of cymbal stuff, right? And some bowed, yeah. Oh. yeah, bowed. But that's oh. it. But there's no like there's no beat until yeah. that snare roll hits. Yeah. And that was that's the the moment where it. That's- classic classic fc (laughs) it is a classic fc moment for sure unfurling for sure yeah i remember being super nervous about that drum roll like i was like i'm gonna have to hit this thing spot on you gotta nail it like all the mics are like right like a drum roll is just like oh right yeah can be torture yeah especially for any amount of time like keep it even right it's got to be clean yeah yeah and you you do it for a second yeah (laughs) thanks yeah it's not it's not a shorty either no it's not a shorty shorty. Uh, I love your vocal performance on this, as they do the whole record, but there's the, definitely that sort of my envy, my lust, and then kind of like this whispery, very like pointed forever. Uh, I hate my vocal performance. On really? This oh, that's yes. interesting. I do not like it. There are a couple well, of parts when I it? whisper and I'm like, ugh, you why like did I whisper? whisper? Oh, I, I think like it's the so whisper. like over the top oh, trying to be like seductive. Or, I don't know. I think it's cool. I think it works. I think, I think it's f- awesome. I think I could yeah. see it as being dramatic, but in a like intentional and... I mean, we 
we you know, were it worked. a dramatic band. It worked. <laughs> we were... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I just feel like I've had better performances of that song, but anyway. Wow. We also recorded. Well, you're wrong. Your... <laughs> <laughs> we also recorded your guitar, Beth, through a cigarette amp, cigarette box. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah, that was like that? a little toy that was floating around. Uh, right. I feel like a few people had those back then. It was oh, like yeah. kind of yeah. a thing. But like, the, I forgot what the company was, but they made this amp in an old pack of cigarettes. Like okay. it, they would be in different brands or whatever. But like it was just a little, a little what, like a two inch speaker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the whole and uh, and all the jacks and everything inside an actual pack of cigarettes. And it was like, of course, very tinny and small sounding. Right. But so, it was like a novelty and it yeah. was neat. And Jeremy tried it out on your guitar. The first half of. Yeah. Yeah. The whole oh, first yeah. half is through that mm-hmm. little cigarette yeah. amp. Wow. It's do you like, remember what brand? Just, I think they were Marlboros. <laughs> oh, okay. yeah. I don't know why I care. I remember being so shocked at how close the mic had to be. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like looking in the control out of the control room. Yeah, like it was sitting you, like, on a stool. I remember. <laughs> yep, I remember that exactly. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so crazy. And there was this a, little cigarette. The mic is bigger than the amp. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, that was some of that fun studio stuff that you would only that would only happen if you were like in a studio together yes. having ideas from what's around yeah. you. Like yeah. that's the kind of thing that you could, that wouldn't happen, you know, home, working at home digitally. What kind of like, uh, obviously Jeremy brought this, I'm assuming, or did it, one of you just happen to have the cigarette? It was amp? That Alex. The I think it was, it was in the, the, yeah, it was there. Yeah. It was just there. They had a bunch of fun stuff oh, yeah. there. Hmm. Yeah. It okay. Great studio. Yeah. That's okay. Classic one. Nashville studio. It is. A Brad classic. Jones yeah. owns it. Great yeah. guy. who's my landlord for many years. I didn't realize that. Wow. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Good, yeah. good guy. Well, wonderful. Great right. studio. Uh, anything else about Nicholas before we move along? I remember. Like it's the one that. Oh, go. I was just going to say, I remember I was very into a lot of delay on my guitar at that time. And so that was the one where I really went mm. nuts with the yes. delay. Yes, you did go nuts with yeah. the delay on that. It's very saturated and like very long and multiple repeat what delays. What do you feel about it now? I think it's cool. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I feel like I was you don't feel it's fairly dated, tasteful like, with it. Yeah. I might have, I don't know. I mean, of course, I would play it differently if I wrote it now. But no, I think it was cool. I like it. Yeah, same. I'll just say, Peter Harvey has a song called Catherine that, as a listener, Nicholas is singing to Catherine. And so I wrote Nicholas as Catherine singing to Nicholas. Okay. Yes, that is what. So this is like a response response song to a PJ Harvey song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about the comparisons to PJ Harvey in, in the press that oh, you get I'm, for this? I mean, I'm not. I know it's like no one's going to be like, yeah, I'm PJ Harvey for sure. I'm there. But <laughs> does, does that feel like an admirable kind of comparison to make to you? Or does it tire you that there's like a handful of these female artists and you're like, OK, you said PJ Harvey and Cat Power. Great. OK, let's, <laughs> you know, pick somebody else. Or, well, or like, does it feel good yeah. to be in that same league? I don't know. Well, I think it's I mean, I think it's lazy. I, I won't say it like feels good just because I do think it's lazy, but I mean, I'm, you know, a big PJ Harvey fan, so it doesn't hurt my feelings. To, right. Yeah. But yeah, but I don't, I just, yeah. Well, sure. As someone who has written many a music review in his life, it's very lazy yeah. to be like, you know what you would like if you like this? Right. PJ yeah. Harvey. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's what I'll compare it to. Yeah. But it's also just like a way to give listeners some sort of context sure. of I what they're getting into. I get why they do it. Yeah. But it is yeah. lazy. Instead mm-hmm. of just describing the music, you have to mm-hmm. like compare it to someone else. Right. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I guess I don't think that you would listen to Forget Cassettes and 
think that it's influenced by her necessarily. But I think maybe. you would think it was influenced, but I don't think you'd be like, they're doing a PJ Harvey thing. It doesn't sound like PJ Harvey. Yeah. Just in the same way that like L7 or Bikini Kill or all of Riot Girl mm-hmm. as a genre may have influenced you, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't call it straight Riot Girl. Yeah. You know, it's just like, it's kind of in the DNA somewhere in there. Sure. But yeah. maybe you disagree and you're seething with my <laughs> comparison currently. <laughs> No, obviously, <laughs> obviously, all those bands were massive influences on me as as a young lady. Sure. So it would be deft of me to, you know, not no. agree with that. So I always just find that interesting from the artist's perspective how they how they take that. Yeah. So I got you in the room. <laughs> thought I'd ask. I also have one bit of Nicholas trivia. Yeah. Yes. For anybody listening. <laughs> Who wants to take a journey in a rabbit hole? The very end, I guess the coda, if you will, where we like bring everything back into the big rock and roll ending. Mm-hmm. As I remember, that was a completely spur of the moment. Like we had kind of ended and then like noises kept going. Mm. And I remember oh. like, oh, now I got to do things because we might, we later worked it into like the live version of the song, did that okay. organically. But I feel like maybe so, I yeah. Like are you talking about ended? all the sounds at the end? Or are you talking about bringing right. it, the the main riff back again? Like, no, just the sounds at the very oh, end. Oh, yeah. Like, at the very, very end, like yes. it kind of swells back yes. up. That was just like we ended and yeah. it was just kind of hanging out. And it was like, oh, we got to keep yeah. doing things because we, we didn't that, know what uh, was We had that on. chemistry. And so we were just mm-hmm. like, yeah, this is what we're doing. Yeah. In yeah, the yeah. studio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lovely. It just kind of happened. We kept it. Yeah. It would be interesting to hear the other versions we did. Because it was always very different <laughs> yeah. at the end. Right. Yeah, do you have those other versions? I don't know. I don't ask know where Jeremy that, Ferguson. I guess he probably has them on a hard drive somewhere. All right. I will. <laughs> don't ask him because he already went through so much trying to find yeah. these. He did find these and we're very thankful. So thank you, Jeremy, if you're listening to this. <laughs> thank much you, appreciated. Now I'm Maraschino. What have we what have we got to say about this? Another old version yeah. one for Geeks yeah. that we brought in, but we changed it. Yeah, I think it got rearranged quite a bit. Yeah. But I, I remember being pretty, I was like, okay, this is like a Rhodes song. Yes. I'm going to play a lot of Rhodes on this. And it was very yeah. fun. I like playing the Rhodes. I can't believe we hauled that thing all over the country. <laughs> a real Rhodes piano. It probably weighed 150 pounds. And not only that, but we hauled my heavy ass 412 Fender cab. Yeah, and the yeah the Tone Master cab. I mean, that thing was like, why was it so heavy? It was so much heavier than like any other 412 cab I've ever lifted. It was like made out of some kind of special wood, I guess. I don't know. And remember, you know, in the rehearsal space, there was a freight elevator. But yeah, I mean, just how many times we had to unload gear in the middle of the night or whatever onto yeah. that freight elevator, take it down the hall into yeah. the, and I think we might have shared that rehearsal space with someone with like four bands did we, we had, wait that r- big, the room it was a, itself yeah yeah or yeah, at least for a, a while we, well I do remember yeah. Apollo up practicing in there I think for a little while but not very long which is yeah, also was, crazy because we just 
you would just leave your gear and yeah. with other bands. And to, other people had keys to the room. Yeah. 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 And nothing yeah. ever Nothing went ever missing. went missing. In I fact, th- I remember we were all very respectful of each other's Yeah. Stuff. I think that yeah. was just kind of the how, how the you culture. had to be. Yeah. It was yeah. the culture. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure this that one, still exists, right? That culture. I, I don't I know feel what, like we're all sounding like old oh, people oh, right yeah. now. Like back in my day, you could oh, leave no, your equipment no. in the practice space and people wouldn't touch it. Oh uh, no, I don't. Yeah, I don't I mean don't, it like that. I just mean it like I don't know. I don't hear about rehearsal spaces. Yeah, I don't like know how that. kids rehearse now. Yeah, kids, <laughs> people, whoever. But like, yeah, because I don't know how that works only, now. You could you rehearse yeah. storage space. Everybody I had. I don't think you do that anymore. Yeah, every band in town had a storage space that we like, practiced it in that same spot. That's true. That's probably illegal. And I don't know what they do now. Yeah. Yeah. Again, liability. Yes, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Ford, Major sorry, liability. didn't mean to cut you off yes. with my get no, off no, my no. lawn comment. No, no, you're good. Uh, I just remember this one being because it was an older I forget that song. It had, I think, there was like a drum machine that was originally doing some of the pads and things oh that were being God. used. Was on there? This one. Yeah, I didn't remember. I and, forgot about that. And so this was another one where I had to like, how do I? Because I, I am a, I am a drummer. I'll. I'll <laughs> <laughs> I'm a drummer and I play guitar, but I can't do both at the same time. And nor am I going to, you know, I can do all kind of percussion-y stuff with my hands while playing drums, but playing another like keyed instrument and all that is oh, just yeah. not my Did I want you, like, did expertise. I, was I like, Ford, I'm going to need you to, to play no, some, you some were, drums? No, you were, I mean, you're amazing in that I think you were like, I want to do something like very different. Yeah. You know, what, like, let's see what happens. Mm-hmm. And so that's where that, the drum beat came from was like this is kind of me aping what was going on mm-hmm. already with a drum machine and then with a drum machine yeah. and then we also added like the effects yeah the that, reverse that reverb front part. it's right. like yeah. reverse yeah. reverb and all that so it's like playing basically on top of itself the yeah. whole time yeah um <laughs> which is really cool and i remember us kind of i remember me especially like deliberating over that with the in the castle mm. demo world like trying to get it we had very limited time and trying to get that like to sound like some kind of weird transistory radio mm. sort of oh, yeah. idea, but oh, like yeah. it didn't really come out right. Yeah. yeah. Like I think what Jeremy did. Yes. Yeah. And the final product was great. Like yeah. that was exactly what it needed. Yeah, for sure. Know? What is. is that happening at the beginning? That's sort of like backwards kind of. Yeah. It's like a reverse reverb effect, mm-hmm. if I recall. Yeah. So I don't think the drums themselves are backwards, but the reverb that's on them is reversed. So mm-hmm. the reverb happens also, before the hit. Yeah. And he put a huge gate on it, so you get that like. Yeah. There's that the tone of the whoop, whoop, mm-hmm. whoop mm-hmm. of this. That's yes. all you get of the snare. You don't yeah. get the like actual snare. It's just the whoop. Yeah. Happening yes. the whole time. Jeremy was who was the right man for the job. He was. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the pieces as a listener where I'm like, what is this? Like, what is this yeah. ethereal yeah. weird? And I think he was concocted and he was just like having fun Mm -hmm. with it. I think he was just trying stuff himself. He was experimenting a little bit and you know, he, I don't, I don't remember him doing anything where we were like, Oh no, that's terrible. Like I think everything he tried, we were like, that's pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. And this is another one where I, this is the one where I mentioned earlier where I I do the Maraca guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Live. (laughs) The Maraca guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Live. And even though it sounds like we clipped that whole front half on, that's really just the live track that gets affected. Right. Like we didn't like cut and paste it. It's all just one. Was my maraschino the song that I would do the avocado shaker and you were uh, doing the yellow maracas? No, we we started the intro later live where we would do for salt and syncope. We had that long uh, that's intro right. where I would play again, nerding out two different times 
Yeah, two different uh, polyrhythms. Yeah, yeah. And I think that just came out of part of the the (laughs) flow of the live set. Like I think I was having to change some stuff, and so they kind of connected those two songs together while I was getting ready. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. That was that was such a cool, and I think that was a thing that we really focused on with the live set was like making it. A no set. Lag. Yeah, yeah. You don't there's no right. there's no breaks between yeah. songs. No, right. we're not fucking around between songs, you know. Yeah. It was really important to us. Does that give you flexibility within the set if if it's like that? If it's designed like that or is it kind of the same set every night and you're just tightening it up and Well, I, I mean I def- Yeah, I mean it I'm trying to I remember. Think it depends on how you, you have flexibility it, right? within your inflexibility, I guess. Like, I guess we would have certain songs that had to go together. Right. But some that we could switch around. Yeah. I'm always super impressed when a band can string their whole set together. For sure. And connect it up in some way where there's not any awkward. Like, I just saw Stereo Lab, which was great to finally see them for the first time at Marathon, which I'm not a huge fan of that video. But, you know, and I think it was their first show in a while. Um, right. Period. Like, I think Nashville is the first date on this tour mm-hmm. they're doing. And you could see them kind of like being a little tentative between songs, like having to set stuff up and remember how things go. And, you know, fine. Like, I'm not mad about it, but it sure would have been cooler <laughs> if they had strung everything together. You right. Know? Like, I don't know. I just think that's always cool mm-hmm. when a band does that. Yeah. 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 And I think we had like, I think we had segues that were worked out that yes. allowed. And I think this is what creates the inflexibility or flexibility, depending. Mm-hmm. If you create the segues in such a way that it's just like, you're kind of just playing sort of a, a vibing sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. While, while people are doing what they need to get done. While Jay needs to put his base on. Like a, or, yeah. Yeah, yeah you can give each other the like yeah. thumbs up and the, the mm-hmm. wink and be like, okay, cool, now we can go. Yes. You know. Yes, for sure. Then you have flexibility, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This, also, I'm, I didn't mean to badmouth Stereolab. Uh, if, you're, if you guys hear this, <laughs> I think you're great. I didn't and that, think you were uh, bad Okay, cool. Yeah, you like just shat all over Stereolab and Marathon. And <laughs> like, yeah. I'm fine with shitting all over Marathon. That's fine. Same. Me too. My Miroshino, I think, is nonsense lyrically. Oh, interesting. Okay. I mean, I'm sure there are some little truths in there somewhere, but I remember I was, ha- I was having a really hard time lyrically with this song. Hmm. Interesting. I think it's very poetic. Oh, well, thanks. No. I mean, it's, I, I mean I like it too. it's not like uh, I didn't spend time on no, it. No, I know. I know. But there wasn't, I don't remember there being a deeper meaning behind it. Yeah. It was just like some of my like stupid poetry I wrote or whatever, you know. Well, great. I think it works great. <laughs> it works very nicely, yeah. I remember okay. a guy I worked with loving, loving the song. Really? Like, I don't know how, I don't know when he heard it or I think he just knew that I was in band playing shows or whatever and like, he would be like making pizzas and like look at me and be like, "Man, that song's fucking great." That's awesome. Like, That's awesome. Because he was in like a metal band and he was oh, like, huh. "I love this so much." That's it's cool. This is like completely different from me or whatever. Yeah. But like, he like this is the one that he was like, it just goes so many different places. It really yeah. does. Yeah. It was always fun to play live. I it thought it was. Yeah. This is the silverware song. Yeah. Is that the one with Song the silverware dancing? dump? Yes. Yeah, we dumped it out, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, with the big the drum dun, 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 moment. Dun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is the song, Jay? I think you give like a, a very in the room sort of like, and like oh, kick the yeah. song off. I that was a thing. Jay's, yeah. Oh, yeah, so that was just a thing that I always. No, you Lonely and does it. Ford dude. and Jay That's would in do Lonely that Desert. Okay. All yeah. the time. To- yeah. Wait, really? Wait, what now? It's in My Maraschino too, isn't it? Maybe. I can't remember exactly which one. It was one just something that I just spontaneously did all the time, and it kind of became like you know a thing. A, like a no, I love it. Yeah. I love it. It's like very. It feels very in the moment. Yeah, yeah. It also helped me to kind of get energized. Oh and, yeah, you know. it's the moment right before the 
the second verse in Lonely Does It for sure. Okay. The, huh! oh, yeah, yeah, there's a hum there yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I remember being on stage and you and Ford would do those back the, and forth to each other all the time. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I would like, yeah, I would like. You would yell got, all if, the time. If I got really lost in my moment, I'd be like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, I think it's cool. Like, and it always makes me think of like when you hear old recordings from oh, the sixties and seventies when the bands were by by necessity playing together in a room, and you hear them, you know, like making vocalizations and stuff, mm-hmm. just, you know, right. based on the emotion of the song. It's cool. It's like going yeah. to church, or you know, like yeah. it's just like spiritual. And you yeah, know. you just get uh, you get caught up in the moment, yeah. and it comes out of you, and it's great. Yeah. No, no, I love it. It's one of my favorite little pieces throughout the record. Hearing those things. Uh, <laughs> I always wonder, as an artist, like what obligation you feel to do it again live. Oh yeah, well then it like, becomes yeah, it does become shtick. a thing where it's like, oh well, yeah, do the do the hop. <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember we always did it though. Yeah, I remember. Even though well, we feels, were on opposite ends of the stage, it would be like I'd still I think wait. It just for was. The, it was oh! fun for us to do. Yeah. 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 So it never felt forced really to me. Yeah. The no. small moments you got to yeah. find to not get bored. Yeah. Yeah. Let's uh, move along to A Lonely Does It. Speaking of... Think of Lonely Does It. Great song. It is a great it's a cool song. song. It was I fun to play. I loved hearing yeah. this song come together. Is this one, like, uh, as a band where you start, I don't know if this is the first one on the record, but it definitely feels like Jay's vocal presence is very present. Yes. Uh, Thank you. And I think it adds a lot, and it's, you know, uh, I don't know. It's just an interesting, it's part of the evolution of this record in my mind, where, like, you're bringing more people in and having these parts that... You know, I don't know. It just feels more fleshed out and evolved. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the decision-making process behind that, or like the writing process, recording process? Where you know, was it just necessity, or was it like, oh, Jay's voice works great here. Let's mm-hmm. use it. I don't know. I mean, I think I wanted that like duality. You know, his he so sings so low on that part, and the vision that I had was like this, you know, inner voice. Yeah, and I wanted that okay. to be audible. Yeah, you know. And the, you know, the big, like, what? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was really fun to do. Yeah. It just is so great. Again, like, really cathartic And not moment. perfect. Yeah. You know? And sometimes, like, you can, it's a little off pitch a few times, right. but it, like, you, you, you it, hear it and you feel the emotion. Yeah, absolutely. Still, yeah. It know? really, it really works the yeah. way we intended it to, yeah. I think. I remember that one as, like, I think we were even maybe listening to a playback of, you and Jay doing the whoa mm-hmm. together. And then you did them too. I was, I was just like over in the corner, like singing, like whatever harmony. Yes. I was just like, yeah. and you, you guys were like, you got to put that in there. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what is that? Let's and get I was it like, down. Oh. And it's like, just yeah. go and do it. And yes. I was like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it, but it was, again, it's not like a perfect thing. Cause I wasn't even thinking like, 
what interval we wanted to hit or anything. I right. was just like, here's the note that yeah. works. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Dr- drummer, corner. Right. And uh, I just ran in and did it. It was, yeah, it's such a cool part, and it felt so good to do, I feel like, because we were all three of us just kind of belting, and like, right. it just felt really great, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, and, and that was the song I felt like was hard for us to play live, because the guitar mm. part would get really muddy. Oh. Because oh, it was right. like, I'm palm so muting, low. basically, so, yeah. Wait, were we a half step down when we played this record? Uh, yeah. Probably, yeah. I think so. Yeah. You know, and I I play SGs. They can already get pretty muddy, and I just remember sometimes it would it was hard. I felt like to translate live. Yeah, interesting. But we still played it. Yeah. Mm. Oh it yeah. Went, I think it went okay. Yeah, for sure. If I remember right, we played this in almost every every show. But yeah. it was it was the one that was hard to like nail who's taking up what yes. spot kind of yeah moment. yeah. Because I remember there's two songs on here where I totally. This one, I almost blatantly ripped off a uh, <laughs> Doug, Doug Sharin of June of 44 drum beat ah. off of uh, Anahata. I think their last record. There's mm. a very, it's not exactly the same. So before I get yelled at, it's not exactly <laughs> the same. But it's it's relatively close. Same idea, like coming in on the one, the whole thing. Like, yeah. But I remember like I wanted it to feel that shift and I asked Jeremy again, like, are we going to do this in parts? Like we'll do the without snares, Tommy thing first, and then we'll record it. He's like, no, you just do it yeah, live. Just do <laughs> it. It's like, okay. Yeah. I remember like, we had to like, I think we finally got so annoyed by the sound of me turning the snares back on. It was oh. like, somebody was like, we probably need to turn that or cut that one, that little snip uh, out. Okay. Just that little squeak. Yeah. I'm so there. glad I you mean, remember these things. Yeah, I didn't remember that either. It's there. Yeah. But that was also like a nod to like, there's a, uh, this is dating me. There's a Soundgarden song <laughs> where where they literally took, they did it in two parts, but like, it's the same idea. It's like the front half of the song is played quiet on a small drum set. Snares are off the whole thing. And then the back half of the song comes in on like a big kit. Oh, they actually switch kits. Giant, but he actually did like two, hmm. two setups I see. for it. Oh, so I love was that. Like, Sort of that idea, like here's the like weird woody mm-hmm. yeah. thing, almost like manic depression. Oh yeah, sounds like that. This at the end of the song, there's like those squeals, like the squealy oh, yeah. part, and that's that was my dog Humphrey. <laughs> oh yeah. Through I don't know what Jeremy did, but I guess I don't remember how we recorded him but he just distorted the hell out of out of him so that's my dog at, at the end of the I didn't song even he, that. humphrey makes a few appearances on this record actually yep. interesting i also Good old humpy is this the song where i remember there being a moment where you had played a part and we were using that old echoplex that was in the studio and i think it was like still going and like we had all gone to listen to like the take and like you came back in and it like just like the sound like oh and it had been up. building oh, the whole time yes. yeah oh i don't remember that <laughs> i remember you being just like what the fuck? <laughs> that may have and it was like <laughs> yeah it was very weird yeah i think he recorded did he record humphrey through the uh through walkie talkie yes oh yes now that i'm th- talking about yes. this huh. it was that's what it was right yeah and they like, put them together for yes, like feedback to the feedback yeah. Yeah. yeah oh and this is also the one that i played organ on there was a hammond yes. organ 
in yep. Alex the Great. Yeah. But I just I, I played I was it's only one note that I'm playing, but I was riding the Leslie speaker control with yeah. the Leslie rotating speaker and like speeding up and slowing down the Leslie. Mm-hmm. So you get that effect. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> that you'd yeah. Rode, that's great. And the the great hand claps at the end of the song too. Yeah, and the snaps. Oh, the snaps, yeah. not the yeah, hand yeah. claps, snaps. Yeah. That was the hardest thing to do live was to like hold my fingers I up remember. To yeah. Oh yeah. That <laughs> to was get always consistent. That was always a cool moment in the set I felt like though live when we got to the snaps part. Yeah. It was like, oh, this is like like very quiet. Very quiet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, as a listener, this song like gives me the hot eyes. Like, mm. you know, where you're tearing up mm. when you got the hot eyes. Like, yeah. it's the end in particular is just like a wash. I mean, I can read the lyrics yeah. now and mm. feel the same sensation. Mm. It's just like intense. I think there's a lyric in this song that's like one of my favorite lyrics I've ever written. Um, uh, Your intention was never to watch my hair grow long or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yep. I remember, yeah, I, yeah. So I was going through a really hard breakup, and the song is about. I remember like standing on his roof in New York City, and you know we're like going through this shit, you know, and you know when you're like in the throes of grief, and you, I, <laughs> anyway, you might might have thoughts of suicide, you know, mm. just like in this like passing through, just like what if I jumped off the yeah. roof of this building right now right and and right. that is i remember i can still remember thinking that and looking down at how high up i was and that is what the song's about it's yeah. it and carries like, that yeah. weight like you feel that I, and i you know yeah. what this song and the next song are i really can't listen to because i feel i feel sure. that so yeah. much and it's it's hard to like remember what a hard place i was in i feel like the whole back half of this record has that weight <laughs> yeah like the whole record intense. is, is yeah. emotional and intense but the back half of it in in, in particular lonely does it through tabula rasa is like mm-hmm. it's very intense and that's a good thing i'm sure it was hard for you <laughs> sorry you had to go through all that but yeah uh yeah it definitely it it feels very intense and i think that's why people gravitate towards it is because of like the the honesty of it mm. and you know the sort of rawness of it as yeah. well yeah, yeah. So thanks yeah. for that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we next is Patience Beth, the reprise. I know it hurts, but good God, girl, get up and fight for it. I know it hurts, but good God, girl, get up and fight for it. said you can't listen to it um but is there anything that you want to share about it well this song had a cup you know we had the fast version which was the original version and then we slowed it down i'm not sure why but it's so beautiful slowed down and yeah. i think it was your idea for it to slow it down I yeah i think we you, had yeah i think we had like the coda section of this had been sort of the same that was the one connector of mm. like things but Mm -hmm. like other than that like yeah i think we had been through the like ringer with like trying to nail the 
the fast one like right not it not it be too overdone or just like a straightforward rock song and it was yeah a very yes. very personal song yeah. yeah and like we wanted to get it right and there were things i loved as a drummer about playing the fast one and yeah yeah, yeah but yeah. like i could tell also that it wasn't like it just wasn't right yeah and mm-hmm. i remember us turning <laughs> turning all the lights like way low when we recorded it and this is the only song that we did switch up the drum kit on i played like bigger drums that we just found in the studio jeremy and i like went around and found all these old it's like old oh yeah they had a bunch of really old drums there yeah and like we you know tuned them up the best we could we really didn't do that much and then like the cymbal stuff was like i probably should have called todd in for it because like (laughs) the swells and stuff would have been a lot cleaner but like Ah. it was just literally like it was like a it was just a I remember going through this and I think we did maybe three or four takes of it even. Mm. And it was like, okay, that's good. And then we did the, the like shuffly snare section, Mm. like in a, in another take. Cause it was a different, just a different, Yeah. but but yeah, it was, I think it's great. I think the like audio clip and all is just Mm. like, yeah. Oh yeah. Gets me. Yeah. Yeah. That sample. I, yeah, I don't know why I thought to do this, but or how I found it really. But it, the audio sample is a sample of from a VHS, and I remember taking it to Jeremy, and I was like, I have no idea how we're going to sample this, but I would like to. And it's of me and my sister and brother at the uh, zoo in Baton Rouge, mm. and we were at the lion's cage, and I remember my my brother was like four at the time probably and walks up to the lion's cage and the lion just roars at him oh, wow. and he goes i'm the greatest lion wow. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like and then there's another sample of we're as children like jumping on the beds with each other and we're, it's just the laughs yeah you yeah. know and i i can't i guess go any further without recognizing that today is the 18th anniversary of my, oh my brother's gosh. death yeah wow. Mm. wow um so you know which is like insane 18 years i mean yeah. like, and your and your birthday yeah. and my birthday yeah, yeah. and your birthday yeah, yeah. yeah. our condolences even, yeah. i never sure. even connected that until just now yeah wow. my parents refused to bury him on my birthday so the his funeral is anniversary is tomorrow wow. but i remember uh, like i was like it doesn't matter it's ruined now for ever yeah, yeah. <laughs> my birthday right. is now right. a sad day is kind now, of yeah. yeah and and right. 911 but yeah but yeah you know i'm so glad that um i was able to articulate something about that event but boy can't oh, listen sure. to it. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. Understandably. Uh, understandably, for sure. I think, uh, you know, I, I won't dwell on it too long because yeah. I don't want to make you uncomfortable, but it is a refrain that uh, I feel like everyone who listens to this record, it, it it is deep in their core. Like, this this to me is a mantra of the album, oh. you know? Like, sure, yeah. So, yeah. good on you. I'm getting hot eyes currently while talking about it, but, I mean, it is like... Thanks, Michael. I will sing it myself. Yeah. Oh, you heard it. Uh, I will sing it myself just like... Be strong. Oh, yeah. Whew, let's uh, move along. Okay. You got me more than you, which seems very inappropriate. No, not at all. Uh, yeah. Oh. Salt and syncope, right?
think this one also had a typo on the original release that you were very happy that this this got corrected? Yes. Cool. Uh, What do we know about this one? How does this one go? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, that one. Oh, yeah. This is the only time a click was used on the record. Did we play oh, a click on this? Oh, it would have to be. The the end part when I do the little the other shuffly snare thing, that is to a that is to uh, a click. okay. Oh, so yeah. And I almost shit my pants cuz I'd never played to a click before. <laughs> is that really the first time you ever played to a click? Are you serious? <laughs> I'm Was it hard? Serious. Do you remember it being hard? No. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, in the in my head, it was going to be the hardest thing I'd ever done in my life. And but I you'd played to a metronome bullets. as a drummer, just learning drums, right? No, no. Oh, I mean, I faked one a few times. Like that's crazy, uh, Ford. You're the, you're a wild I, man. I think I think the first time I ever tried to play to a metronome literally was in mine and Hartley's college dorm room. I unplugged the alarm clock and played to the flash. Oh, that was wow. the closest I'd ever done. That's amazing. Because I didn't have a metronome and right. it broke. And I was like, all so right, I got to get my time Watch the light. Just, mm. Yeah, yeah. That's so cool. But this was like the first time where it was like going to have to like matter. Yeah. I think I had tried maybe in the studio before and it just freaked me out. Because I think a lot of times as a drummer, you're thrown into a situation with a click and it's like, now go and do do your thing. And all you get is this. Right. And nobody's right. like. Yeah, there's no nuance to to it. I saw I saw a drummer get fired from a session that when I was working as an intern in a studio because he couldn't play to the click. He was like a great drummer. He was like a jazz drummer, but he couldn't play to a click. So like you're off the session. What do you think is the secret to playing to a click? Just getting in the pocket? I think maybe a lot of people go through their careers without having played to a click, kind of like Ford. And so when they do, if they've been playing for a long time, by that point they're just kind of too far gone. Maybe like they can't. Right. They're just not used to doing it, you know? This particular guy, you know, like it was his first time playing to a click and he just, just couldn't hack him. it. Yeah. I think it's also like, you know, I think nobody really tells you, I think, going in that like there are multiple ways to have a click. Like it yeah. doesn't have to just be. Cock, cock, sure. Right, you can cock, pick cock. the like sound. You can, yeah. have, you can make it different sounds. You can make it be different things. You can put the accent. Use it, in, yeah. yeah. Use it lower in your headphones and play with your crew. It doesn't have to be like the loudest thing right. on earth. Yeah. Um, I think the weirdest thing for me about this was that I was listening to the, I think we were all in the room and I was just sitting in front of the snare, like just doing that. And I had to keep that like steady without anything else, but also without changing, like you didn't want it to be like half, half of it to be louder than the first half. Mm. Right. Mm. That was, it was weird. Mm. I remember doing it. I think we did it like three times or something in it. It worked. Well, that's it was pretty like, good for it. Yeah. For yeah. Having played to a clip. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, you did so, great. I don't think any no of us knew. No one's feeling bad for you right now. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> this is also my favorite song on the record. Is it really? Oh, wow. Why? It has. Be- I guess it has become. Oh. I don't think it was. I think initially I thought, I think I had like some hangups about, oh, I didn't nail the click thing or I didn't, it didn't yeah. feel right. Or like there was certain things I could pick apart about right. it that I wish I'd done better or worse. And I think the performance that's on the record is great, but I think later live, we nailed some of those like mm-hmm. those pauses. Yes. That oh, sure. there oh, yeah. Better than mm-hmm. we did here. Cause it's mm. like still fresh mm. here. Maybe so. This is one of those songs that came later in the, yeah. the whole process as I remember too. Yes, it, I, was, the, like, it, I think it may, might have been the last one we wrote. I do remember it yeah. being pretty new. It was when we pretty new. Yeah. yeah, 
And then just remembering that like all those like dynamic shifts and all that stuff, I think it's great. I, I'm pretty sure, and I don't mean this as a call out at all, but I'm pretty sure there is a rogue kick drum hit <laughs> in this song. <laughs> That I love. No, I remember. I remember us talk. Like I don't remember. I loved. It's right when the when the stops happen at the end of the song when we go to the you know the S S A. Oh yeah. There's one rogue kick drum. I think I know what you're talking about. You you didn't. Anyway, I love it. But we decided to keep it. We decided to keep it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Is it that one? Because I know for a fact here. I'm telling on myself already. There's one on the single on the in the patient's fast version. There is one for sure. Huh. Oh, I, I don't like. know if I've noticed that I, one. I tried to get Jeremy to take it out eight million times, and I think it was almost like a point of like, ha <laughs> <laughs> Gotcha. <laughs> nope, nope. But let's, I mean, those stops but, yeah. at the end of Salt and Syncope, when it's just the kick and the guitar, and yeah. the, I mean, that's, that's hard Yeah. to it not speed hard. up and slow down and just keep it. Yeah, yeah. And it's, I think it sounds great. Yeah, I think so, too. Thanks. I think records Thanks. need mistakes, too. Just throwing yeah. that out yeah. there. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want it to be so clinical that yeah. there's, right. like, sure. nothing interest, nothing human. Right. In there. I, yeah. yeah, exactly. I like And this stuff. is another one I think you can hear. It's. I think another reason I love it is because you can hear the room mm-hmm. in, in, like, some oh, of those, yeah. like, big hits. Mm-hmm. And, like, you can even hear it in the guitar. Like, if you, if you listen to it with headphones or whatever, it's, like, you can hear... Like, oh, they're they're literally in that room yeah. doing that together. Mm-hmm. Like you can hear some of the bleed. I think it was we like, probably ripped into it a little bit harder than we were supposed yeah, maybe to. So. Right. That was just a great sounding room also. Yeah. We, yeah. My favorite stuff that Apollo Up ever did was recorded in that same room. Uh. It's just a great sounding room. Yeah. And this was another yeah. song that you sang on yep. for the, yeah. the spelling out at the end. I don't remember yep. much about doing that at all. The Great Deception. Yeah, I don't even remember doing it. I remember I remember coaching you for that and be like, I want it really staccato uh, yeah, yeah. and like. Yeah, that's true. I had, I I had such a vision for, <laughs> yeah. oh, I'm so annoying. <laughs> no, that's <great. laughs> Is this where the album title comes from, I assume? Yes. Yeah, this was a, uh, like, God, man, what a time in my life. <laughs> I, w- this was, I got diagnosed with a chronic health condition during this time, too. And that, that's what the song is about. And yeah, that's where the title of the album it's right there. comes from. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's in the title of the song. There was a lot going on back then. There was a lot going yeah. on, you yeah. know? Yeah. Talk about resilience. It's for true. sure this is also just the this is one of those that we definitely fleshed out like the front half of it live we do that i think yes. i mentioned it the shaker yes. thing. yeah we do the like there was like even like in the middle there was like a weird like three over four sort of thing that we would do like dancey thing right before really? the, uh right before those little the bump bump Descending section. I'm just now kind of realizing this, but this this record is sort of New York to me in a way. Because I feel like we were playing in New York a we lot were. at the time. We were. Yeah. We and were I feel like lot. it just makes me think of like uh, being uh, at like pianos mm-hmm. in Brooklyn or yeah. in Manhattan. Oh my gosh, that makes me remember it. We were going into New York, it was really late at night. I wanted to be dropped off somewhere. I was going to bring this up before. Yeah. And we all got in a big fight. We were all just so tired. I think so. And, yeah. and you were like worn down from the uh, relationship thing that yeah. you were discussing earlier. And it was like, yeah. it was. It was I, re- I just remember being on the street like in the middle of the night in New York and us all kind of like, well, we never fought, fought, but just no. like we needed a break from each other. Yeah. <laughs> we were all very tired yeah. and just needed a break. 
But, yeah. 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 I feel like that happens. Yeah. But yeah, because of that, like when I hear this record now, it makes me think of all that time we spent yeah. in New York. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. CMJ. CMJ. Yeah. <laughs> oh, CMJ. Hey, when you get invited to CMJ, you are going to make it. That you go to deal. CMJ. That is a big deal. Do they do CMJ anymore? I don't know. I think so. Cool. Maybe in a different ver- different yeah. kind of so. setup. I, in researching this record and like finding old press for it and unearthing stuff, I definitely found CMJ listings for Frigate Cassettes yeah. and seeing who you were on the bill with and how early in the day you may have been playing. And I, I just mean, remember that those, that all the shows hard. being really great for us. I feel like people... Uh, people up there really got us, you know. I remember sure. <laughs> walking out of uh, a CMJ show. I think it was pianos or something, and Sharon Van Etten was standing there, and we had known each other like MTSU days. But she was yeah. there at the show and us talking, and she was like, "I just moved back to Jersey with my parents, and I'm trying to make music." And I was like, "Yeah, yeah. girls, let's do it." But <laughs> Man, look yeah. at her now. I know. Look she's, at her now. She's doing great. It's so yeah. great. It's so great. Very proud of her. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Do we want to roll into the final song of the record? Yeah. Tabula Rasa. This is how I get there so follow it. And when you think you want to look back. Crazy tuning. We didn't talk about any of the tunings oh, on tunings. this record. Oh, it's true. Great. Do you want to go back and tell me all the tunings? <laughs> <laughs> well, we talked about how you know we were tuned half step down, but this I don't even remember the tuning for this song, which sucks. I hope I have it written down somewhere. I but I played it on a Telecaster. Oh yeah, and which, we, which meant for, yeah. we had to take a whole other guitar on the road just for this one oh, song. Man. Yeah, because well, I was a diehard SG girl. Well, still right. am a diehard SG girl, but I was like, I gotta play it on this telly, telly that I stole from my ex boyfriend. Uh huh. Um, and I mean, we were brought so much fucking gear anyway. What's more? Yeah, what did it matter? Yeah. Right. <gasps> the horns on this song are very important. Yeah. Yeah, I was really happy with how that turned out. I was, you know, pretty rusty as a brass player at that point. Cause I, I remember you recording these parts. Yeah. I played trombone in high school in the marching band, and then I didn't really do anything with it after that since high school. And, you know, with a wind instrument, you have to maintain your embouchure, your muscles around your mouth to be able to play correctly. What's it called? Embouchure. Embouchure? Yeah. Never heard that word. It's amazing. Um, 
Yeah. And so with, with wind instruments, if you don't play often, you lose those that muscle tone around your lips and it becomes very difficult to play until you mm. get it back. So all that to say, it's really tough to just pick up a brass instrument after you haven't played it for like 10 years and, and play it. You know, not, not as easy as picking up a guitar or playing a piano or mm-hmm. something because there's like a physical component that's gone. So, you know, I wasn't like at the top of my game by any means <laughs> when I played these horn parts, but it just seemed like they belonged there. And so, yeah, I, I did it to the best of my ability. Do you remember how it felt doing those? Like, was it painful? Or? Uh, I mean, there's only, yeah, I do remember like, that's the other thing too, is that the endurance of those muscles is much uh, lower when you haven't been playing. So like after about an hour of playing, you're just done. Your your yeah. lips just won't do it anymore. Mm. So that's wild. Yeah. I had no idea. That's wild. You're also excited as playing noise guitar on this track. Noise guitar. Yeah. I don't remember what that would have been. Well, Probably you in the record with that delay tail. Oh, that's right. More delay. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Of course, it's more delay. Was it the line six? Yeah, the green line six. Uh, I forgot what the model number of that thing is, but yeah. DL4, right? DL4. That's DL4. it. DL4. I think that's right. Good memory. Right. Yeah. Forward with his memory. That thing is all over this record. Yeah. Yeah, and I played some piano, the big final mm-hmm. notes. There was a great sounding, I think probably the best sounding piano I ever played was uh, that baby grand that they had in Alex the Great. Do you remember what it was? I don't. I think it was like 100 years old or something. Though. It was like really old. Hmm. It was so good sounding. Like it didn't sound, I really hate when recorded piano is very attacky. Like it's, I think when they put uh, mics very close to the hammers mm-hmm. and you get that very attacky piano sound, like a, a big rich yeah. mm-hmm. sort of booming piano sound and that's what we got out of that piano i was really happy with that i remember around that time we were listening to extraordinary machine john bryan's version oh yeah a lot yeah yeah we were very into piano at that point yeah i think so yeah and i remember we were all sort of listening to the band oh. or at least yeah i know jay and i were <laughs> yeah. a lot so there's like we were kind of calling on that that Levon Helmish sort of feel. Yeah. Drums. That I remember kind of us very kind of talking about like relaxed, like, yeah. like seesawy sort yes. of thing. Yeah. I also remember later live, this was one where I like, I had pared down symbol world to just gigantic symbols. The symbol washes that you hear on the record were like even more like gigantic. Cause it was just, I had ridiculously large. Yeah. You studio. had, incredible cymbal washes on this entire record yeah there are so I agree. many yeah and it are... was i remember that was like riding that thing out live especially it was it was another kind of mm-hmm. hard sweaty moment just because you're like i gotta keep this it's weird like yes. you don't think about keeping it inside right. but you yeah. are keeping it inside. yeah mm-hmm. you can't just like i'm gonna stop now like, right no it doesn't work yeah it was fun. You'd prefer a Trisket. Yeah. You'd, you'd always prefer a Trisket. You'd prefer a Trisket. <laughs> yeah, we didn't even get into all of the perversions of the lyrics that we started saying to each other over the over the years of playing this stuff. Well, some of those inside jokes but, should stay yeah. with you all. You <laughs> yeah, every, someone coming up to you and asking you about Trisket sure. at a show. Or well, every band has road jokes that I think are always funny jokes. to them. Yeah. You know, tour jokes. <laughs> the best is that half of them weren't even like, there's no like, there's no story about Trisket. No, there's not a just, joke there. It's just we thought it was funny. Somebody was just like, did you just say you'd prefer a Trisket? Yeah. Oh, Trisket. Yeah. Oh, got it. Yeah. Okay, well, from here on out, it's Trisket Well, for us, and so. now I only hear Trisket. Yeah. I hear Trisket. <laughs> We've ruined it for everyone listening to this podcast. Uh, what a way well, to end the record. Nabisco, with. you just come yeah. right on, yeah. pay us that money. <laughs> Is there anything you want to add lyrically about this particular track? I mean, 
you know. I always wondered if it, for me, it's easy to interpret like either as a like, fuck you send off or like a optimistic, like I'm taking a risk. Like it could be like, you preferred to risk it and not be with me. See you later. Bye. I'm, I'm good. I'm strong without you. Or I prefer to risk it and go on my own. Like I was, mm-hmm. I'm able as a listener to just sort of take it in different yeah. ways. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know if there's if you if there is an intention there or not. But. Oh yeah, it's definitely a "fuck you" send off <laughs> song for sure. Yeah, I think uh, the song I was like pretty proud of lyrically. I remember mm-hmm. like I still hear the lyrics and they don't sound young to me. Okay, like I, I hear it and I'm like, yeah, that's, that's that, cool. That feels good still, you know. Yeah, I don't know if this bothers songwriters, but as a listener, sometimes I will glom onto like a single line that's meaningful to me mm. like you'd prefer to risk it mm-hmm. like yeah mm-hmm. I, sh- I should prefer to risk it yeah. i should like embrace risk in my life and do things that i'm scared of but in the context of the song it does not mean that at all <laughs> it means the opposite of <laughs> it. Well, no it's, i know? always took it that way too just because the 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 harmonic content of the song feels very optimistic to me you know right, right. and i love so, that yeah we, um Wait, did I originally write this in a minor key and then we changed it to a major key? I don't remember. Or did I always write it, have it in it a sounds, major? It sounds familiar that we changed it. Yeah. I don't remember that. Hmm. But anyway, yeah, no, I, it's, yeah. Uh, you know, it's like this big triumphant ending. Yeah. Yeah. And it always felt really optimistic to me. Well, it is. I mean, it is optimistic. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, you know, it's one of those like closure and. Sure. Yeah, it closes coming, the record. Coming, yeah, it's a great, literally <laughs> and closes it's a great the record. Closer. It's a perfect closer to the record. It I think. really is a perfect closer of the record. Yeah. Sorry on the LP. I tacked two more songs on as a bonus. <laughs> you blew it. <laughs> <laughs> but you can stop on side C. You that's can right. stop there. Yeah, you know? that's right. They're reserved for well, side we, D. We talked about Sleeper already. Yes, we talked about we, Sleeper and Patience Beth mm-hmm. Fast. We've touched yeah. on that. So I think as a, you know, those are bonus tracks that we've added on the the 2X Smoke LP that you can get at forgetcassettes.com yeah. and on their bank account. You know, it's, it's interesting <laughs> that you that. say New York because a lot of these songs are about New York. Yeah. A few of them are, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. Did you just, know that? It just kind of... Already? I mean, I knew, I, mean that, I knew that they were about your relationship yeah. and that a lot of that was happening in New York. Yeah. Yeah, so it just kind of hangs over the record for me yeah. in, a, in a cool way. Yeah. There's also a lot of references to... I mean, I'd have to go back and pull out like, specific examples for you, but like standing on my rooftop, like... I don't think as a person that grew up in the Nashville area yeah. about standing on my rooftop. Yeah. Right. Like it's very rare yeah, to be in a true. position a where point. you're like that. And that feels very urban and very like so big like, city. Okay, she must be talking about somewhere that's not Nashville. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that might just be my own reflection of my own experience. Where I'm yeah. like, fuck growing up rurally, I, you right. know, way out past page high school. Jesus, I'd never get on my rooftop. <laughs> yeah. I could, I could never have that. So like there's, there's a part of that that is For appealing sure. to me. Yeah. That's a good point. I mean, that's why this record hits me in the way that it does because it talks about things that I, you know, I just, this is 2005. So like I'm living in Nashville post-college and like, I want to leave very Mm. badly. And Mm. there's all these references to things that feel much bigger than Nashville um, and very emotional and like the real world experiences. And I've struggled for years and years. I'm really just laying it out for everyone. I'll probably (laughs) cut all of this, but you know, I struggled for for a decade. Like I want to leave Nashville and Mm -hmm. never could do it and just was too scared. Mm -hmm. And you know, that's why parts of this record hit me in the way that they do because they are from this other world, this yeah. other place that I was wanting. And then you did yeah. move to New York. And then yeah, I eventually then did. did. Eventually yeah. Because did. of this record. And then you came back. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't because hurt. Because of this record. <laughs> it didn't hurt, you know? 
Well, now that you mentioned that, now I remember when you, going back to the beginning of the show when you were like, how did version two come together? I was supposed to move to New York. Okay. And I had applied to college in New York and got accepted and I was going to move there with my significant other and then all of that fell apart. And then I think it was like, oh, well, I'm here. What am I going to do? Yeah, I, I might as well like start a band and have yeah. all these songs. And write a bunch of songs yeah. about And then that. write a bunch of songs about that, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it inspired you and it inspired me. It only took, you know, uh, another, I don't know, eight or nine years after the record came out for me to actually do something. But I move slow. I move slow. <laughs> I feel that. Yeah. I feel that. I'm a late so. bloomer as well. That's all I have for the record. Obviously, I want to give a huge shout out to Aaron Hartley for for putting this yes. record out originally. Papa Hartley, thank you. A huge yes, shout out to you. Jeremy Ferguson for recording yes. the record. Thank you, Jeremy. Uh, Todd Kemp for doing what he did on thank Obviously, you, the three of you. But I do want to, you know, I'm not going to railroad you here at the end. Is there anything else that you want to add about this whole process and, like, anything else you want to throw out there? I feel like this is probably, this record, making this record is, like, we made it in a very old school way, you know, and we went into a recording studio, a yeah. dedicated place to make records, and we did it all three together, and we were all there together playing together, which is like something that I don't think happens very often anymore. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. on that, um, especially on the level that we were. Yeah. Like indie band. Uh, like, yeah, of a small indie band getting yeah. to go into a studio like that. Like that was just, I mean, it was a thrill for us just to be able to go and like, we're like, we're actually going to make a record like the real way, you mm-hmm. know? Like right. It was, and it was just a cool. And we like, like had a budget a, for snacks. And stuff, yeah. Like it was just such a great experience. <laughs> the whole making the record was a great experience. I got nothing bad to say about the entire process. It, it was truly great. what I mean. And it's funny to when I talk about like, oh, I, you know, had so much personal stuff going on at the time. But that was such a happy 10 days and i mean even the post like you know mixing at jeremy's and all of that making this record was an utter joy and coming from my prior experience with forget cassettes version one playing with these guys was such a joy they're wonderful human beings always kind and just we just had we did have great chemistry and we made some amazing music together and we had fun together yeah and we played a bunch of awesome shows yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was just really fun the yeah. whole experience yeah yeah for sure. fun times yes i think this was by far the proudest i am of any like one recording time like my band anybody else's band whatever i've ever done been a part of like this is the one like if somebody asked right like right now yeah uh, <laughs> somebody, somebody does this very thing uh, <laughs> ford how do you feel about a thing well let me tell you i think this is the most it's the most proud i've ever been of like actually just going in and doing it because i feel uh, the same way as you guys um uh, i think jay said it best like we walked in and did it the old school way mm-hmm. and made a record, you know, by physically making the record. And yeah. uh, it was, you know, it was a lot of hard work, but it didn't seem hard because we wanted to be there yeah. so much. There was nothing else we would have rather have been doing exactly. than being no. right there in that That's ex- that I was time. doing yeah. exactly what I wanted to be yeah. doing. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. It's getting very little sleep yeah. and going, yeah. still showing up yes. at whatever yeah. time we had to open up and start you know doing our yeah. thing or after work coming yeah. by and mm-hmm. you know it was whatever we had to do we would do it yeah, yeah it was great yeah. it was great well, as a listener, that camaraderie and that like connection that you all had definitely shines through. This record is 16 years old now, and like it hits 
I mean, I cried 10 minutes ago. Like, it hits just as hard as it did. And I don't think you can have a record like that without the connection that you guys had. So mm. it definitely shines yeah. through and was captured phenomenally. Mm. So thank yeah. you yeah. from thank all you. of us fans <laughs> for making it. Thank you. It's thank fantastic. You. And John Golden's mastering. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, and then and John, John Baldwin's Baldwin. mastering yeah. on the vinyl. Impeccable. So Yeah, everyone involved. Yeah, everyone you know? involved. Yeah, it's a first-class operation all the first way around. First-class. <laughs> For sure, and that's really the po- professional. And that's the podcast title: First Class Operation. <laughs> All right, that's our show. Huge thanks to Beth Cameron, Jaleo Phillips, Aaron Ford for coming to chat with me. Equally large thanks to Aaron Hartley and Jeremy Ferguson for making the record exist in the first place, along with them. And thank you for listening. Really appreciate it. If you want to submit some music for future episodes of the show, hit us up at We Own This Town on Instagram or Twitter or email me directly, michael at weownthistown.net. Additional thanks to Upright T-Rex Music for the music that's playing underneath me right now. Find them at utxmusic.com. Take care of yourselves. I'll talk at you later. Bye.